If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much. Now let's get to some scary stories. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. I am your host, just your friendly neighborhood, Maniac on the Loose. Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com, sign up for our newsletter, and I'll give you some free stuff. And now, sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, and enjoy the ride. Stranded. This happened back in the 1980s. I was in my late teens and was driving cross-country from Tennessee to California to visit a friend in college. Sure, I could have flown but I wanted the experience of driving across country and particularly through the desert. In hindsight, it was a horrible idea, especially since my piece of junk car was unreliable. But I was an ignorant young man and made the journey anyway. Everything went fairly smooth until I hit the Arizona desert. Something about that relentless desert sun didn't agree with my car, and it began to overheat, shake, rattle, and ultimately died. This wasn't good because I was in the middle of a desert road. I hadn't seen another car in hours. I took a look under the hood and quickly determined that there wasn't a thing I could do to get my junker moving again. So I began to walk. I walked for hours and hours. The sun was beating down on me and zapping my strength rapidly. Sweat was pouring down my face. As the energy evaporated from my body, my pace slowed and I began to stagger and feel dizzy. Then I finally heard the sound I had been hoping for. The hum of a distant engine. As it approached, I turned and waved my hands. The vehicle slowed and stopped in front of me. It was an incredibly old, rusty Chevy delivery truck from the early 1940s. A few lucky patches of color yet to be overtaken by the rust revealed that at one time this vehicle was dark green. I lethargically staggered to the passenger side door of the ominous vehicle and peered in at the incredibly intimidating driver. He was a tree trunk of a man wearing a black tank top and a sweat-stained straw hat. He wasn't a bodybuilder type, just an extremely thick, hulking man. He had weathered, leathery, beef-jerky skin. He spoke with a menacing, hoarse voice. That your car broken down back there? I nodded. Get in. I was a small, frail twig of a man and couldn't fight worth a lick, 
but as scary as the situation was, I had no choice. I would die out in the desert without any assistance, so as much as I didn't want to go, I got into the truck. He immediately wrapped his catcher's mitt of a hand around a bottle of water and handed it to me. Drink up. I chugged the bottle of water, took a few breaths, and asked him if he'd be kind enough to take me to the next town. Next town is Coopertown, about 50 miles up the road. It's 30 miles out of my way. But you look so cute and helpless. I'll inconvenience myself for you. Shivers ran down my spine the moment he called me cute. But I just nodded and hoped the drive would go by fast and that he wouldn't be very talkative. My hopes were dashed about two miles into the drive when he began speaking. You're so lucky. If I hadn't come along, you would have eventually collapsed and melted into the ground. No one drives down this road. No one. He reached behind his seat and withdrew a large hammer. I could pull over right now, drag you out of the truck and beat your brains in with this. I could leave your dead body in the middle of the road and nobody would find you for days. I was speechless. I was searching for words to respond to his odd statement when he began to slow down and then pulled over to the side of the road. I guess he saw the look of horror on my face because he let out a loud chuckle. <laughs> Don't worry, kid. I'm not going to beat your head in with a hammer. I just have to take a piss. Why don't you come with me? Come on. We could stand side by side and piss together. Again, I didn't know how to respond to this, but I managed to spit out some words. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. The big man shrugged. Suit yourself. As he urinated on the side of the road, I searched my mind for alternatives to the situation I was in and came up empty. I was at the mercy of this huge, scary man. After he got back into the truck and started driving again, he started whistling a tune that I didn't recognize. Then he pointed to the side of the road. I found a dead body there once. You did? Yep. Car broke down just like yours. He had been walking for miles all alone, just like you. But nobody came and picked him up, so he died. I noticed a smirk come across his face as he reminisced. Buzzards had already stripped his body by the time I got there. You ever seen a human body stripped by buzzards? I shook my head emphatically. It's quite the sight. I guessed it to be about 20 miles from where he picked me up when we came up on an old service station. Two pumps still stood in front, but were rusted and falling apart. Most of the windows in the service garage were shattered. The windows on the rest of the building were intact, but covered in grime. To my chagrin, he slowed and stopped at the decrepit station. What do you think of my place? You live here? I asked because I could not imagine anyone living in such a decaying structure. Home sweet home. 
He opened his door, hopped out, and began to stretch. I spoke up. Uh, I thought you were going to take me to Coopertown. Patience, he said as he began walking toward the building. I watched on as he swung the front door to the building open and disappeared within. Once again, I found myself probing for alternatives to get myself out of this odd situation, and once again, I came up with nothing. The motionless vehicle was starting to become an oven under the sun, so I stepped out of the vehicle and approached the crumbling building. I carefully walked through the door I saw him enter through and called out, When are you going to take me to Coopertown? The intimidating man stepped out from a back room. After I take a nap. He looked me up and down. I got a queen-size bed back here. You can take a nap with me if you'd like. I shook my head. Fine. You can go hitchhike out on the road if you want. But ain't no one coming. With that, he disappeared into the back and I found myself with two options, walking another 30 miles in the heat to Coopertown, or waiting for Mr. Creepy Man to take me there. I stood out on the road in hopes that someone else would drive by, but the road was empty as far as the eye could see, and all I could hear was the wind whistling. The sun was too hot for me to stand on the road for long, so I took shelter inside the big man's gas station home. The place was filthy. There was a few empty shelves against the wall and a small counter that at one time must have housed the cash register. I meandered into the attached service garage where once, people like me who broke down might have found some real help. The concrete floor was stained with ancient oil, but that's where the resemblance of a once operational garage stopped. This place had been transformed into something else. From the ceiling, an array of various animal skulls and bones hung. Against the far end of the room, all kinds of edged weapons were hanging on the wall. Hunting knives, butcher knives, machetes, hatchets, and some of them appeared to have dried blood on the edges. In the corner of the room, I saw metal shackles meant for human wrists chained to the wall. I panicked and bolted out of the station. Clearly, my judgment was clouded by fear and I made an impulsive decision rather than thinking things through and I fled into the desert. I wasn't far when I heard the gas station doors slam shut, followed by the bellowing voice of the big man. Where are you, little boy? I didn't even look back, I just kept running. You can run, but you can't hide. As I ran through the desert, I stumbled over a rock and collapsed onto the scorching desert sand. I started to rise up but froze when I found myself face to face with a rattlesnake. The snake was curled into a defensive ball. It was clearly frightened and ready to strike if I made any sudden moves. Its rattle was shaking vigorously, and the snake's head began to bob as if ready to strike. Suddenly, the huge man stepped next to me and kicked the snake away. I watched as it slithered off into the distance. The man grabbed me by the arm and hoisted me up off the ground. 
You're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, are you, kid? I shrugged. Now do you want me to take you to Coopertown, or do you want to risk it out here in the desert? My mouth was bone dry, but I managed to speak. Coopertown. The big man nodded. I figured. Let's go. We got in the car and didn't say much for the next ten miles or so, and then, as before, he broke the silence. Did you think I was going to kill you? Before I could even respond, he looked at me and read my expression. You did, didn't you? I smiled and nodded. Silly boy. Why would I do that when you're worth so much more to me alive? I furrowed my brow in confusion. That was a weird statement. What do you mean? The man didn't respond. He simply smirked and began humming the song, My Favorite Things, from The Sound of Music. After another mile or so, I spotted a semi-truck parked on the side of the road. An average-sized man wearing a camouflage shirt was standing at the rear of the truck with his leg propped up on the bumper as if he were waiting for someone. The big man pulled over on the side of the road, stopped, removed his key, and looked at me. I'll be right back. I watched on as the big man approached the camouflaged shirt man. As the two men spoke, they often pointed to me. It was obvious that I was the subject of their conversation. Then I noticed the camouflaged shirt man pull a large wad of cash from his pants pocket and hand it to the big man. Camouflage shirt man then began to undo the latch on the back of his truck. That was enough for me. I may be a small, wiry guy who doesn't know how to fight, but I do know a thing or two about motor vehicles. My older brother was a repo man. He knew how to hotwire a car better than anyone, and he had taught me how to do it. I'm not very good at it, and hadn't even tried it in years, or I may have attempted this earlier, but now I felt as though I had no other choice. I leaned over and began the hotwiring process. Fortunately for me, it was only a couple of minutes before the engine to the old delivery truck roared to life. As I slid over into the driver's seat, the big man was racing toward the vehicle screaming, and the man in the camouflage shirt was retrieving a gun that was tucked into his pants. I pounded on the gas. I heard a couple of shots of gunfire, but never looked back until I reached Coopertown. Coopertown had a bus station. I ditched the old delivery truck in the bus station parking lot, bought a ticket for California, and got the hell out of there. I'll never know for certain what kind of danger I was in that day, but one thing's for sure. I'll never drive through the desert again. Serpent Woman My wife and I decided to take a nice relaxing vacation in Gulf Shores, Alabama. We wanted some quality time by the ocean, so we rented a beachfront condo for a week. Our first day there, we spent the majority of the afternoon at the beach. 
My wife went swimming while I sat in a beach chair admiring the waves crashing against the shore. I decided to appease my inner child and build something in the sand. I wasn't sure what I wanted to build. I'm not much of an artist. I got a C in art back in high school, and I think that was only because the teacher felt sorry for my lack of artistic talent. I started by creating a large mound of sand and realized that it had a slight resemblance to a head, so I decided to give it some facial features. I squeezed my fingers together and pressed them into the sand head and created a couple of ovals that could kind of pass as eyes. I was then able to carve in a large mouth that seemed to have a maniacal aspect to it. I thought it would be fun to put a couple of shells in the eye holes to make them look like actual eyeballs, so I started walking the shoreline searching for two identical shells. This task proved more difficult than I originally anticipated. I mean, the beach was scattered with thousands of shells. Surely there'd be two that were similar in size, shape, and at least close in color. I was determined, and after a solid 15 minutes of searching, I found what I was looking for. The two shells I found were indistinguishable, and they were beautiful. They were oval-shaped with pale white edges. The centers of the shells were bright blue and swirled around into a black center. I mean, they looked like eyes. Had I not found them washed up on the shore, I would have thought that someone made them. They were beautiful. I picked up the impressive shells and placed them into the eye sockets of the beachhead I had formed in the sand. The second I pushed the shells into place, I felt a slight jolt shoot into my hands and up my arms. My body tensed up and I felt my head rattle. For a good two seconds, everything went silent, with the exception of a strange hissing noise, similar to that of a snake. Quickly, the natural sounds of the ocean returned. I took a deep breath and looked down into the sand face that was staring back at me, and for some reason, I felt inspired. I felt the need to create a masterpiece. Immediately I went to work on the sculpture. My hands and arms were moving in a feverish blur. I, it was almost as though something had taken control of me. I was on autopilot and was effortlessly creating something magnificent. I had arranged the face perfectly. It even had fantastic subtleties like visible cheekbones and temples. I had grabbed a nearby twig and used it to carve long, wild waves of hair, which could easily be mistaken for Medusa-like snake hair. I went back to the shore and grabbed several brittle white shells. I chipped them apart to resemble shark-like teeth and placed them in the mouth and the body became a long, thick, serpent body. I twisted and turned it to give the appearance that it was wrapping around the legs of the beach chair. I used shells to meticulously carve scales in the body and form the end of the tail into a rattle. When I finished, I stood back in awe at what I had accomplished. It was truly amazing. 
When my wife returned from the ocean, she was dumbfounded. She knew as well as I did that I lacked artistic talent. But the counter-argument to that fact was staring us both in the face in the form of an incredibly lifelike, intricate, menacing serpent woman. My wife asked me how I was able to accomplish such a feat. I simply shrugged, for I had not the answer to her question. I, I don't know, I just kind of did it. The sad thing about it was that this was a sand sculpture. Once the tide rolled in, it would be washed away into nothing. Fortunately, we live in the day and age of amazing cameras, so we took several photos and videos of my work of art before calling it a day and heading back to the condo for the evening. That night, we engorged ourselves with oysters and shrimp at a local restaurant and then came back to the condo. We watched a little TV before we turned in. The next day, I woke up early. The first thing I thought of was the Serpent Woman. I wondered if the tide left any remnant of her, or if there would be no sign that she ever existed. I walked down to the beach chair I used the previous afternoon and was saddened to see that she was gone. There was nothing but moist sand where she once lay. The ocean had taken her away. Although this was expected, I still felt my body slump in disappointment as I turned to head back for the condo. That's when I saw her. It was the Serpent Woman! She was two beach chairs further up the beach, coiled around the beach chair's legs just as I had made her. She was high enough on the beach where the tide didn't reach her. But I was positive that the chair I sat in the day before was much closer to the water. I shrugged. Apparently, I had been mistaken. When my wife and I went back to the beach that afternoon, she was also surprised to see the Serpent Woman still intact. She, too, was under the impression that we were much closer to the ocean than that. That night, I dreamt of small snakes wriggling all over my body as the Serpent Woman slid into my bed, lashed her forked tongue out at me, and hissed. When I awoke, I was surprised to see a trail of sand on the sheet next to me. My wife and I had both showered since our last time at the beach, so there shouldn't have been any sand in the bed at all, let alone as much as there was. That afternoon, we went back to the beach again. The Serpent Woman was still there, in as pristine shape as ever, which surprised us both. Even if she was safe from the wrath of the ocean tides, surely some jackass kid would have come around and kicked her apart by now. But there she was. Perfect. Except, I noticed something unusual about her. When I sculpted her, I made her tail twist around all four legs of the beach chair. Now, her tail was only twisted around two of the legs, and her head seemed to be at more of a tilt. I stood over her to see if there was anything else that seemed off about her, and I swear, for a moment, I thought I saw her mouth curl into a smile. I closed my eyes and shook my head. When I looked back down at her, her mouth was back in its original menacing position. 
That night, I had a horrible dream. I dreamt that my wife was screaming in terror. I tried to open my eyes, but they were sealed shut. I tried to move, but was paralyzed. I could hear the sinister hissing of snakes and the deafening shake of rattles, and then all went silent. The next morning, I woke up in a cold sweat, but was comforted when I was able to open my eyes and move my body. I let out an audible sigh of relief as I rolled over and attempted to put my arm around my wife. But she wasn't there. I rose up and looked at her empty side of the bed. I grabbed the top of the blanket in my hand and ripped it off the bed. My wife's side of the bed was covered in sand. I called out thinking perhaps she was in the bathroom, but there was no answer. I searched our entire condo, but it was empty. I hurried out onto the balcony to see if she was there, but she wasn't. I gazed out over the beach as the sun began to rise. She was standing ankle deep in the ocean, staring up at the sky as night turned to day. I raced out of the condo and down to the beach. I stepped into the ocean next to my wife and took her hand into mine. She turned her head and smiled at me. Her blue eyes were as bright as ever. The problem was, my wife has brown eyes. The Man With No Name I was off to one hell of a start to my day. I overslept, had a run in my stocking, and nearly got killed at the four-way intersection near my home when some idiot ran the stop sign. They came to a screeching halt just inches from me. Fortunately, it was my day off, and I only had a few errands to run before I could go back home and enjoy myself. First, I was starving. There was a quaint little diner in town that made the best fried egg sandwiches. That would definitely hit the spot. I entered the diner and was disappointed at how packed the place was. I was going to have to wait much longer than I'd prefer for that egg sandwich. That's when I noticed the conspicuous man sitting at the end of the counter. He wore a dark suit with a pork pie hat and was smoking a corncob pipe. His face was unusually long and he had the most striking, bright blue eyes I had ever seen. They were mesmerizing. He was reading a paper but glanced my way several times. Something about the way he kept looking at me made me feel uneasy, so I decided to leave and go to my next stop. I had my eye on a beautiful dress for some time, and today and today only, it was on sale. I wanted to get to the store and buy it before someone else did. 
I got to the store just as the doors opened and made my way toward the section I knew the dress to be in. As I turned down an aisle, I saw the dress hanging at the end of the rack. It was just waiting for me to take it home. I stopped in my tracks when I saw the man again. He stepped out from behind the clothes rack, stood next to the dress I wanted, and stared at me. He didn't have a menacing appearance, quite the contrary. He held a friendly grin and his striking eyes were extremely welcoming. But who was he? Why was he here? Was he following me? As badly as I wanted that dress, I wanted to get away from that man. I rushed out of the store, got into my car, and drove to the bank. I had to deposit a check and withdraw a little bit of cash. I entered the lobby and made my way toward the bank teller. That's when I heard someone behind me call out to me. Hi, Lori. I turned around to see who it was and was shocked to see the same man again. He was just standing in the middle of the lobby staring at me. How did he get here before I did? And how did he know my name? Who are you? I asked. I don't have a name. Before I could even react to that odd response, he asked me a question. Would you like to come with me? He held out his hand for me to take. I quickly backed away. No, I don't want to go with you. I turned and quickly hurried out of the bank. As I got into my car and started it, I looked up to see the man standing outside of the bank. He waved to me. I peeled out of the parking lot and sped all the way toward home. When I approached the four-way stop near the intersection of my house, I noticed several police cars and an ambulance. Apparently there had been a very bad car accident. I stopped and got out of my car for a closer look and saw... My car! It was my car that I was looking at in the middle of the intersection. It was crushed like an accordion. But it couldn't be my car. I, I was in my car! I turned to look at my car, which I had just pulled up in, but it was gone. I turned back to the intersection and saw them pulling a dead, mangled body out of the driver's seat of my crumpled up car. It was me. The dead body was me. Are you ready to come with me now? I turned and the man with no name was standing next to me. I looked into his bright, hypnotic eyes. I'm dead, aren't I? The man nodded and held out his hand. I took it. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen on. We'll see you soon. 
very soon. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, we hope you'll support the show. The show is a lot of work and your support is greatly appreciated. There are several ways you can support the show. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. Thank you so much.